So we are here, Saturday Night Vibes, with a um, special bonus episode for the holiday season. Um, yes. We have joining us Casey Killingsworth, who is a fellow um, SNL super fan. So we're super happy to have him um, here geeking out with us um, about uh, SNL Christmas episodes. So um, how we've put this together is it's working like a draft, which I think is um, something that happens in sports. Sports, right? right. Okay, yep, this is got all it, sports. Got it. That's what I, th I thought. So, okay. So, it's all sports, but it's also SNL. Um, so, today we're each going to draft our favorite SNL Christmas moments. Um, they could be pre tape pieces, sketches, whole episodes, what have you. It's kind of like free for all. There's really no rules and there's no winners or losers because, um, as you all know, this is an all positive podcast and we make our own rules. So, um, right. we're, yeah, we're excited to do this. I mean, like, it's Christmas. It's holiday season, we got the spirit going, and we are nerds for SNL, so we're excited. Yes. Welcome, Casey. Hi, Greg. Hi, Emily. Nice to finally chat with you guys. Yeah. Uh, sort of meet you for the first time. It's thank you for having me. Great to do another SNL podcast. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. So um, do you guys want to jump right in? We will take um Casey, your first pick. Uh, Eddie Murphy's Gumby Christmas special. Merry Christmas, damn it, with Gumby. And it, uh, <laughs> I think it really speaks to how how Eddie Murphy carried the show during uh, the Dick Eversall years. Uh, I mean, first of all, this was a sketch he did in the only time a current cast member hosted while still in the cast. So they they really had to lean on Eddie. They always did, but this is when Nick Nolte was going to host, but he threw up on his shoes and he just couldn't do the yeah. show that week. The basic premise behind Eddie Murphy's gummies just um, like, what if this children's claymation character just became, just got worse with wear for age, just became nakedly an old school showbiz a hole yeah. who just constantly yelled at everyone, just legend in his own what if gumby turned out to be like chevy chase now basically <laughs> and eddie just plows through with it just sells a hell out of it and uh you know he comes out he yeah he I, I, this shows how he commands the audience too he just he comes out and says oh uh my friend sammy davis jr is supposed to be here to help me decorate the tree but it couldn't show up so he set this ornament, it's just a bloody eyeball, and the audience grows <laughs> through it and just yells, shut up! And, and they immediately get back on his side. And then... This is the part of the special when I was going to decorate the Christmas tree with my very good friend, Sammy Davis Jr. But unfortunately, Sammy could not be here tonight, but he did send us this lovely ornament to decorate the tree with. Thank you, Sammy. King family, the, the beginning of uh, Donnie and Marie, just the always funny in Gary uh, Kroger, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, always funny implied make-out incest gags between Donnie and Marie. I wasn't even old enough to remember how that started with them on their old show, so it's still funny. You don't need that background knowledge to laugh. No, yeah. You don't. Yeah, this is like a, a super, super strong leadoff pick here, Casey. And I think this is a perfect 
Saturday Night Vibes pick precisely because these Dick Ebersol years, you know, I think are, even for the most optimistic of all of us, are considered sort of a, a dip in the graph uh, for, the, for the show in, throughout the, the run of its um, existence, except for the fact that they had maybe the best cast member of all time carrying them and this sketch is awesome you know it's like sort of the best the best of what that cast had to offer obviously with with eddie murphy running the show here but you know like the 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 piscopo frank sinatra is so good you know it's like it's it's so good and i like you know i do not pretend at all to be familiar with the earlier um seasons of SNL when I was too young to watch slash understand and I just haven't gone back honestly to to watch them and make myself familiar and this was so funny and so delightful um and I had never seen um uh is it it's Joe right Joe Piscopo um uh do his thing and this Sinatra had me laughing out loud it was so good I mean the whole sketch is just like and I've, I've seen I had seen you know obviously Eddie Murphy is um as Gumby before but this is just like such a delightful sketch yeah and of course it wouldn't be a Dick Ebersol era sketch without Eddie as the lead and whatever he does and Piscopo as Sinatra which yeah is kind of self-indulgent in the silent night but when he sings the Flintstones and the yeah. Woody ha 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 Pecker song ha 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 it's the Woody Woodpecker song. I'm laughing. Ha 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 ha. Pecker song. <laughs> all right, all right. Cut the cartoon crap. It's Christmas. Again, I think my favorite gag out of this whole sketch, just for how absolutely bonkers it is. So, Eddie tells a story to children about Santa's drinking a cup of cocoa. And an elf walks up and asks for a sip, and Santa rips the elf's lungs out. The end. Yeah. <laughs> and a little girl says, "You're mean, Mr. Gummy. I like. I want to be on Andy Williams special. I liked him better. He's nice." And Eddie's goes, "You want to be on the Andy Williams special? Just yeah. It's 800 miles that way. Start walking, <laughs> and then sends her out in a blizzard to walk to Los Angeles. She'll be begging to be back on the Gummy special, and at the end." You see her frozen child staring at the window over the <laughs> over the credits. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, this has got yeah. shades of like you know a lot of the 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 ten to one like Will Forte weirdness there with the child mm-hmm. being like frozen to death in the snow. Like so the dark the dark humor in there, and this is also a perfect example of you know Julia Louis, Louis Dreyfus goes on to become one of the icons of of comedy maybe underappreciated in her time but we can look back at this and and sort of be like you know she had pipes i mean i don't think she's even really known for her her singing ability but it's yeah. not surprising knowing how fully formed she is so it's another Absolutely. good good thesis here for why we need to appreciate these stars mm-hmm. in their time you know mm-hmm. nice pick yeah. thanks guys so who's next i'm gonna go next I'm going to go next with with pick number two. Um, And for it, I have St. Joseph's Christmas Mass Spectacular, um, which was a pre-taped piece um, that could not have been more spot on. Um, I'm not sure how you guys grew up, but I was raised Catholic and went to, if not uh, church regularly, definitely church on Christmas. So um, this piece is just absolutely 
spot on for um, my uh, Catholic raised siblings and I with all of the stereotypical people you um, have because it's like you know there's those stereotypical church people but then Christmas is when they all come together and they're in one place and you are guaranteed to see every single one of them um, just every part is so spot on um, there's the guy um, who wants to shake your hand and it's just like his hands are so sweaty um which is just like not even not even like feet like we can't even comprehend it I feel like now like yeah. in a time where like no one shakes hands like the idea of shaking sweaty hands with someone in church is just like so far beyond gross um but as a kid it was just like that's what you did this person yep. extended their nasty ass hand and you shook it so why it's is Christmas. Hand so wet yeah. why is it so wet um <laughs> The, what really kills me is the two types of readers that come up played by um, Kyle Mooney as just a tiny little baby um, mm -hmm. and um, Cecily Strong as the the reader who just like is takes it so seriously and I mean just it's just perfect the character Cecily's playing has like 25 different like Christmas pins on her shirt yeah. which is hilarious and she just takes it you know the dramatic pauses it's just like that was growing up and it wasn't even like funny growing up because like it was just how church was um and probably the part that gets me gets me and my siblings the most is when um they talk about um pastor pat played by uh, bobby moynihan going back to his um his house that is attached to the church because again how you know just one of those things that you yeah. accepted as a child was just that like <laughs> the priest lives in the kind of in the church just next door and whoa it's just a little table in there um just so yeah just every part of this is just so absolutely spot on pastor pat walked to his house it's connected to the church try and catch a quick glimpse inside whoa it's just a little table in there so this christmas come to saint joseph's christmas mass spectacular um, for uh, an uncomfortable trip to church during yeah. the the holidays and I just I think it's hilarious and the you know kind of the the way they set it up is like a um you know it reminds me of one of those like underground um sketches they did I think that was that was post this but just sort of like advertising it as like this this literal like spectacular that you would want to attend um, yeah, Casey, uh, Saturday Night Vibes HR does not allow us to screen for uh, a religious affiliation before uh, they, <laughs> they join the podcast. Uh, but did, does this resonate for you in, in any way? Do you, do you, or did you come up in any of the, you know, forced Christmas uh, church going or anything? Well, as like a non-practicing Christian, my family right. were big churchgoers. My mom always said church was yeah, this was the most, you know, rewatchable because of the little odd things about it. Like, like maybe I couldn't relate to this the same way Emily did, but um, you could tell it was written by someone who's uh, big on, whose family is big on going to midnight mass on Christmas. Yeah. And just, yeah, just the fact that like these are all, I think like even if you didn't grow up like it, you can be like, oh my God, that's what a Catholic mass is like. That is yeah. ridiculous, <laughs> you know, and just like, because these things are like, obviously, like you said, Casey, it was written by somebody who's just like, so was there. And you're like, wait, what? Like, that's that's how that works. And yeah, yeah, it is. Yep. Yeah. Having, having come up with a lot of these Catholic, uh, you know, um, traditions here, one of the things I love about this is I think I see, saw, watched this live with 
my mom around Christmas time, and <laughs> she was just like weak from and I, even on the rewatches because it's just it's so home for how, yeah. how dead it was. This is either written. I, I should we should have looked up the the credits on this, but it's it's almost like you believe that someone who's been to church for a million hours or someone mm-hmm. who's just been once, and you're like, who yeah. are these these people that really stand out? So yeah, it's a nice pick. Thank yeah, you. and so uh, yeah, great pick, Emily. And they tried the, like this exact same thing like a few years later in May. Uh, they did the the graduation spectacular. I think they kind of right. tried to oversold. Yeah. They ever did how relatable it was supposed to be because like like I could only relate to the like from going to my sister's graduation. My own, like only I the only thing I could relate to is like literally everyone is dabbing, even the pregnant girl's fetus. Yeah, like the, the stuff <laughs> with the, the pick a lane speech, the bitter, yep. shock, yeah, the Keenan falling off the stage and the backing out of the back. That just was way over the top. This nail. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Excellent picks right off the bat here. Um, thank you, thank but you. Luckily, there's a lot to choose from here. So yeah. with, with my first pick, I'm going to take what's what's just sitting right there. And that's Dick in a Box. <sighs> just you so- know? Such a strong candidate. I mean, what can you say about this that that hasn't already been um, already absorbed deep into the cultural zeitgeist by by anyone uh, with an internet connection? Other than, you know, I'm not sure any of us saw this coming from from Justin Timberlake in particular. You know, Lonely Island was was cooking a little bit by now. But, I, you know, part of what makes this and I, we've talked about this a little bit with parody songs in general, that it doesn't really matter how good the parody is if the song itself isn't good. You know, if it's not mm. a catchy like I'm on a boat is nothing if it's not the unbelievably catchy hook that it is, you know what I mean? Uh, Mm -hmm. Like the T-Pain verse, you know, and you think about how good Justin Timberlake's performance is in in this. It's just like, this is like one of the best R&B singers of our time doing an unbelievable performance for like an absolutely nothing idea in in some ways. Um, I remember coming to, this came out pretty soon before actual christmas or at least um Mm. in my family because i remember christmas day going to my uh, aunt and uncle's house and my cousin was just could not stop talking about dick in a box the (laughs) the entire time and he would just be like he'd see me from across the room and he would be like miming the make a open the box you know (laughs) (laughs) and someone was like there's 10 million views on this already he's like a million is definitely me i've just been looping it for however long it's been out so um, it was just yeah, such an instant classic and something that could have gone so, but I think it that really speaks to how strong like the Lonely Island era was that like they could come out with it. And it was just, like you said, an instant hit. I mean, obviously they had GT in there, which just, you know, kind of made everything, but like, I mean, it was, oh my gosh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. It's like, it's like one of those sketches that had the same effect on me when I first saw it as like Lazy Sunday, David S. Pumpkins, a lot of a lot of Chris Farley, Will Ferrell stuff. It's like it you have to fully take uh, like a 
day to process that you just witnessed yes your black greatness in the making you have to wait to have to wait to hear people quote it talking about it at school to you know get that this is a classic this is resonating with people and that's that's such an accurate way to talk about it casey i feel like it's kind of like like when i first watched anchorman and i was like i think this is like something real big something real catchy but like you have to wait like a, a few and then you're like oh yes everyone's quoting like you see it and you're like, oh man, this is something. It, it's like the whole like multi-news team fight in Anchorman with a guy on fire and stuff. <laughs> yeah. throwing a trident yeah. made it for me. And yeah, the, this <laughs> pick of the box came out and I was like in high school. So I think it helps that, you know, high schools when most people discover it, but I've been watching it my whole life. So I had discovered SNL through pick of the box, but it's just that era I had the most personal connection to because uh because of what age i was when they were airing it and yeah everyone not just high schoolers said you know snl's having a renaissance that's great and speaking to you know what greg said about um uh, the uh, comedically a song only works it's as good as the thing it parodies yeah of course uh timberlake would uh eat this again and again but um he hosted three years later and he did mother lover mm-hmm. i i posted online when i started doing reviews this is gone but um but the thing that uh they realized pretty quickly the thing that made mother lover not as great a sequel to dick in a box is it like dick in a box was an accurate period like the early 90s r&p that samper grew up on talked about in an interview so like dick in a box sounded like it could legitimately be a rejected color me bad song and mother yeah. lover was more modern like sound like exactly like a song timberlake actually did with like right, t-pain right. or t-i around that time but when they did the three-way with lady gaga thing they went back to like 90s so they realized well we we made that mistake with mother lover if we're gonna do these guys again we gotta do that it is- right so just stick to the that's an incredible call out the difference between dick in a box mother lover and then it's not gay if it's in a three-way that's yeah yeah it's a really the good golden call out. rule yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's my pick what do you what's your next pick casey so my my next pick is a uh uh, uh robert smigel tv funhouse fun with real audio smigel too um yes this is a bit of a deeper cut. It's the, the early era smile, just peak smile TV fun. Now it's just uh, chef's kiss. He was really <laughs> on top of his game here. So this is where Jesus. So this aired in the Helen Hunt episode from season 23. And this is um, Jesus Christ returns uh, to confront all these, you know, televangelists, just religious snake oil salesmen who just kind of blow him off because you know they're more about using him to make money for themselves and Mm -hmm. so he first walks up to this guy in a pastor's robe who's like i i'm building a church i'm praying for 20 million dollars for this church (laughs) jesus is tapping on the shoulder he's like hang on so yeah buy this porcelain angel for jesus and i'll use the money to build a church like hey hey." and he just like karate punches jesus so jesus just zaps him and now he's a ballerina and then he walks over to Pat Robertson on the 700 Club yeah. talking about going off on some anti-gay, anti-Clinton tirade. Yeah. And like, 
Matt Robson just tries to hide himself in front of Jesus. He puts a curtain and a lampshade over him. He nails him up at a desk. <laughs> so Jesus just zaps Pat Roberts. Now you're a mouse, and this other mouse is in love with you, chasing you around. And <laughs> he walks to another one of these guys, saying, "Get in these. I will heal you. You will walk again." And it's the guy in a wheelchair, but he boots the pastor off the stage, yeah. and the wheelchair runs off. Then he walks over to Kathy Lee's Christmas special, and he's just. <laughs> very off key so she zaps <laughs> Kathy Lee. he zaps Kathy Lee she disappears and everyone starts singing hallelujah so yeah it's like a gospel choir that part had me dying laughing and the Jesus is like oh yeah here we go he changes them into a gospel choir <laughs> so so part two of this the big payoff is Jesus walks over to one of those stores that has TVs they sell in the window probably like the 1997 must have been the last time so he sees another preacher on TV buy my miracle Bible oil, a literal snake oil salesman. Buy my Bible oil, and he like just his magic remote powered hand switches the channel to the Ten Commandments of Charlton Heston. Nope, not that either. And then he goes past a a Happy Days episode with in the Foz dressed Santa. He's like, nope. And then finally he changes it to. Linus's big lights please speech from the Charlie Brown Christmas, which he's actually quoting the Bible. And Jesus gets choked up here in his eye and he does the the peanuts dance down the street. Yeah. It's, just, <laughs> it's just the sweetest smile tune ever, the most sincere and heartwarming totally. thing he ever and yeah, I thought it really fit well with the premise of this podcast being all positive yeah. vibes. Mm-hmm. And, and it, yeah. And it's one of, you know, two or three very loving tributes to the work of Charles Schultz from Robert Smigel. You could tell he was a fan. The 2002, uh, they just waved their hands in front of like Ben and JLo and Ozzy Osbourne. Just, yeah, right. I, I thought of that, but that was too of its moment to really play out here. Is it? funny but you know, this one was better and i think when they did the mr t where he needs work and yep. his voice there was a, a title card in charles Schultz. that was a week he died so right. uh I, that I was just that. that was just um robert smigel's way of various ways of saying r.i.p charles Schultz, you're a real one yeah yeah as another, you know, this is another one I, I hadn't seen before, but had seen on like roundups of um, like underrated SNL Christmas sketches. Um, you get to that, uh, the peanuts part and you're like, are they going to end? Like, and you, you're like, you, you think like it's, it, you hope that it's going to be as heartwarming and then it is. And it's just like so lovely and just such a, like you said, just like such a lovely positive sketch. The premise of like, you know, religious leaders not realizing Jesus coming back to is such a good, you know, again, having sat in um, the Catholic church for most of my childhood, I remember at one point asking my brother, like, when they say Jesus is coming back, does that mean he's like literally coming back to Medfield, Massachusetts, where we live? And he was like, yeah, he's going to like eat at Papa Gino's. He's going to like, <laughs> so I just like. There's a whole lot in there of, of just like the logistics of Jesus coming back. And this is 
again, a very, very positive uh, vibes in this one of, of sort of the spirit of Christmas and Jesus himself. So love that pick. Um, I will go next then with my second pick, and it is the John Malkovich monologue um, where he reads uh, Twas the Night Before Christmas to some children. Yes. And um, I, I feel like this one, you, you probably either love it or hate it, um, but I just think it, it really like has no business being as funny as it is. Yeah. And the whole thing um, is built obviously on John Malkovich's very unique, bizarre um, intonation and affect just, you know, and the idea of him reading reading to children at all is, yeah. is, is pretty unsettling, <laughs> but then reading Twas the Night Before Christmas and offering all these unsettling facts in just a very like deadpan way that go along with it. Um, it's just classic. And I just, uh, I just think it's the fun. I, the set is great, how they have the whole like the fireplace and like there's this kind of like floating window behind him and the snow yep. behind him. I just think it's like such a, um, the child actors are great and it just kind of like giving him these like deadpan stares as yep. he reads these like horrible facts. Um, like I said, like his voice, like the way he says Saint Nicholas. Yeah, like why pronounces does he it like the French song? way. I don't know. I think it's just because it, he's that he's John Malkovich. That's the way he says. Yeah. Just of course he would call him Saint Nicholas. It must be Saint Nick. Yeah. And um, uh, just how he talks about um, the Portuguese Santa Pie Natal and how he's going to feast on all their toes. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a one I remember seeing as one of the first, um, the first like kind of wave of sketches that I saw and being like, oh my God, this is like, this is really funny. Yeah. Um, and then I think uh, at one point he passes around a, balls of, a, a, a bowl of Hall's mentholiptus to children. Yeah. Um, and says, we used to suck on pennies when I was a child. And it was a delight. When I was a child, we used to suck on pennies. You know what I'm saying? And it was a delight. You know. Just like these, these lines he gives are just so <laughs> odd and unsettling and just like flat. It's, yeah. it's, the best and then at the end of course he um because this is the monologue he ends with you know we have a great show ti is here and so just <laughs> just hearing john malkovich introduce you know say ti is here is like kind of a cherry on top of the whole thing incredible now this is not the episode that the um uh that the james franco documentary is about right because that's definitely one of the um john malkovich um i don't think it is episode but Either way, you're just sort of getting to getting to see John Balkovich behind the scenes at SNL is so interesting too, as like you yeah. know, a highly seasoned, trained, serious actor in the mayhem, how they kind of navigate um, you know, the, the madness of, of SNL is just kind of it's right. great to see what the what the final product is here. Yeah, they kind of like parse his um expertise with just with comedy and kind of make it just something totally unexpected and just like you cheer for him because he's into it and it's just hilarious. Outstanding. Well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, make the last pick here. Uh, this actually, I'll give a, maybe assist to Casey because as I was looking um, through the fun with real audio um, episodes, he had recommend checking out the best of TV Funhouse from season 31 uh, which was hosted by Ace and Gary. And in that compilation, I found the 
narrator that ruined Christmas, uh, which is based on the, you know, the snowman that uh, narrates uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and I think a couple of the, those other ones. I had never seen this before, before I had been preparing for this uh, pod and was just absolutely <laughs> floored by how funny it was, especially because it's kind of my favorite non-SNL content this year was Bo Burnham's Inside. Um, he's got this incredible piece of his inner, inner monologue sort of being like, you know, it's not about you and this is not a time for laughter and the world is burning. How can we, how can we all handle this? And that's kind of what this, what this narrator is doing as he, as he kind of breaks bad uh, under, under the weight of the heaviness of, of the world. And it's just another like nice thesis for what the show is about. Right. I mean, they've done this. I mean, I guess the, the scene that hasn't aged well now is with Giuliani right after uh, 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 9-11 talking about yeah it's okay to laugh and that's kind of the role that they've played I just finished mm. um, Cecily Strong's biography uh, or a memoir and she was talking a lot about that of sort of just like not really wanting to laugh during all of the pandemic and all of the last mm. year and she was going through a loss of her own and uh, just like amazing how well this is pinpointed and that it's also legitimately funny that you know Santa is like kind of calling him out and as soon as he turns it around <laughs> you know something terrible happens again so um I really uh, was glad to have found this appreciate the recommendation Casey you're uh you're very welcome I'm glad I could uh I could point you in the right direction telling the story of Rudolph is just what you should be doing you should bring happiness to the children every year. Santa, please. I don't think it's appropriate. It's not about you, douchebag. <laughs> no one needs your self-important grandstanding. Don't you see? You showbiz types are just trying to shift the focus away from the crisis and onto yourselves. You're an entertainer. It's a simple job, okay? Do a dance, show us your boobs, and make us happy, monkey. Yay! We know you're important. With Excellent. Well, uh, I think we all uh, won the draft there, uh, which mm. is amazing. Um, just everyone uh, three-way tie or three-way losers. Are we? We're either all winners or we're all losers. We're um, all winners. But there's right. not. Uh, but there's not. There's not a combination. So either way, we're all on the same level. Yeah. Um, last couple minutes here, I will, Casey, any kind of honorable mentions of things that uh, didn't make, make the draft? Well, there's a couple I found. I'll just rush through them because they're kind of short. So this is from the Candice Berg and Christmas 76 episode. This first one, Santy Rap. Yes. So Backroyd <laughs> and Lorraine Newman are going to see Santa, even though they're adults, and just she's a drunk hobo Santa who's like yep. seems like oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's like <laughs> he must have inspired uh, that scene at a Christmas totally yeah. later, so this is the first thing I thought and not, you would put this in in your note but I as soon as I watched it I was like that's exactly first thing I thought of was the, absolutely was the Christmas story uh, mall Santa so yeah Lorraine's putting uh toilet tissue around Belushi's Santa is like backwards. <laughs> like, haven't you heard of Santa rap? It's bright and colorful and has more germ protection because, you know, on December 26th, Noel here goes back to why he's your Britain hobo. He's only employable to do this one job for a month. Look, he's so jolly. Remember. He's smart. He knows if you've been sleeping, but do you know where he's been sleeping? <laughs> That's just it. Look, Lorraine, 
I love Santa just as much as anybody else, but December 26th, Noel over here goes back to the Y. And it's it's strange that she carries toilet paper and is a grown woman who watches it on the lap of Santa, even though we know where they get those Santas from. Yeah. And um, yeah, the second thing I wanted to mention real quick was um, a tear and kill a bit date uh 2013 i want to say jebediah atkinson reviews christmas special so so this is like uh taryn is this character they made up they found an actual review panning the gettysburg press so right (laughs) so like the month before they did him roasting other historical speeches and they bring it back for christmas specials and he says yeah of course people remember my last year run things into the ground much just three weeks ago yeah. So <laughs> I I picked this for the same reason I picked the Eddie Murphy Gumby Christmas is uh you know Tara Killam could command an audience in a green outfit just screaming Christmas snark the same way Eddie Eddie did and yet he's one of the more underrated performers on SNL history and um um and he could forcefully push back on the audience's negative reactions like when he brings up uh charlie brown christmas which this aired like right around the time family guy killed off brian the dog for a week and um, right and they bought it back with stewie's time machine for christmas and he says if you ask me family guy killed off the wrong dog and they boom he's like oh it's a cartoon <laughs> and then <laughs> and you know seth and cecily who did weekend update that year they break the most in the least consequential roles at the end and one thing that sticks out is he at the end he talks about the birth of Christ or the Bible. And he says, I I I remember liking this better the first time when it was called National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Seth says <laughs> like the first time. And then I remember this from the library. They, they cut it from uh, a YouTube clip of it because he used a dress version after Seth said first time. Helps that time is not linear for me, Seth. <laughs> and I wish they'd use the live version just for that. Though the yeah. dress version must have got bigger reaction. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember that. It's a good. That's good recall to be able to separate yeah. the the live. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, my honorable mentions. The first one is Something Claws, um, featuring uh, Keenan as the Santa Claus alternate who will give yeah. you. <laughs> a white envelope full of cash, even if you haven't made Santa's nice list. Um, And it's just, I mean, once you listen to it, like how would you not have it in your head all day? Everybody gets them. Um, So that's, and I just feel like that's kind of classic Keenan between like the, the voice and, and like his, his dancing in it. Um, And then my, my other one was, I wish it was Christmas today. Performed first in, in 2000 and then multiple times since, um, you know, re-airings and then like different iterations. Um, I, you know, I keep saying like, you know, this is one of the first, like as a, as a teen, one of the first um, like pieces of, of SNL I saw that I just thought was so funny and it really stuck with me. And I remember thinking at the time, like, there has to be like a joke I'm missing here. Like, I'm not old enough yeah. to think, I'm not old enough to like get this, right? Like, you know, and I, I just thought it was so funny. And then like, you know, years and years later, looking back, I'm like, nope, that's all it is. And it's yep. funny because it's completely nonsensical. 
I mean, like Chris Kattan's head swing while he's holding the keyboard and Tracy Morgan's face, just like, just this mixture of like uncomfortable and like confused. And um, I, you know, it's another one of those ones that you, I think you hear and like, how can you not have it in your head around the holidays when you hear it? Um, so uh, yeah, definitely yeah, it's a banger. for me. It is. I wish it was Christmas today is an absolute banger. Um, I'd heard really um, Horatio Sands on, I think the Bill Simmons podcast a couple of years ago. Um, and Bill Simmons was talking about that. He's like, I th- I'm like a little surprised that this isn't a little bit more in sort of like the best of, you know, soundtracks and stuff like that, you know, that you would hear this a little bit more. And maybe it's just because, you know, part of the charm is that like the actual, you know, Jimmy Fallon is clearly like hitting the wrong keys multiple times throughout <laughs> and like the fake snow is screwing him up, but that's part of what yeah. makes it, makes it great. So. Yeah. Love it. Well, thank you, uh, Casey for, for joining us today this was a great sort of deep dive into the into the positivity of christmas episodes of your um just really appreciate uh you spending some time with us thank you casey you're welcome i appreciate you having me and i appreciate that you used to get to guest on another podcast love it